Welcome to our podcast on A Course in Miracles. This is our second series, and um, we're going to continue discussing what are the characteristics of God's teachers. Yeah, the first paragraph before they list the characteristics says the surface traits of God's teachers are not all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly and their superficial personalities are quite distinct. Nor at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God have they yet as yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as mere means of leading out of time. These special gifts, born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching-learning situation is geared, become characteristics of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike. All differences among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time, it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. So we covered trust yesterday, and then we covered honesty. Yeah, okay. And now we're doing uh, number three, which is tolerance. Okay. And it starts out by saying God's teachers do not judge. To judge is to be dishonest, for to judge is to assume a position you do not have. Judgment without self-deception is impossible. Judgment implies that you have been deceived in your brothers. How then could you not have been deceived in yourself? Judgment implies a lack of trust, and trust remains the bedrock of the teachers of God's whole thought system. Let this be lost, and all his learning goes. Without judgment are all things equally acceptable, for who could judge otherwise? Without judgment are all men brothers, for who is there who stands apart? Judgment destroys honesty and shatters trust. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. <coughs> Excuse me. No teacher of God can judge and hope to learn. So, yeah, okay. So the relinquishment of judgment is tolerance. Is tolerance. Does that mean we're supposed to tolerate everything, that, even if it's really off? Well, I think we have normal boundaries in life and. I think it's okay to have the boundaries. But wouldn't you form a boundary because you had a judgment? Well, let's just say you're in a relationship and we've had this before in clients where it's violent and it's either ver verbally abusive or physically abusive. Now, at some point, you may have to draw a boundary and get yourself out of there, of that relationship, at least temporarily or immediately, if your health is in danger. 
so I would say that's a boundary. Now it's kind of all, almost impossible not to judge a person that's beating you up, but this is saying that not to judge. I mean, obviously there, it's it, that would be an extreme call for help. Um, but it's also your responsibility to get yourself out of there so you're not harmed. Yeah, yeah everything is either love or a call for love. So I guess if they're doing something awful, it's they don't know how to love, right? Yeah, right. So how you deal with that, I mean, first you have to protect yourself and then you have to deal with the the situation. So, but I never heard of this. To judge is to be dishonest. Well, I mean, the person that's violent is still as God created them. Now they're not in touch with that. They're. It's an extreme case of fear or anger or judgment on their part so they're not seeing themselves clearly it's it's like when uh, Jesus said on the cross uh, forgive them father because for they know not what they do well they don't know what they are doing because they're totally immersed in their ego they have no connection at all with their God created self because if they did, they wouldn't be doing those things. So he said, forgive them for they know not what they do, meaning they're totally immersed in their ego and they don't even know there's a self-God created. So... I guess I remember that line, every loving thought is true, everything else is an appeal for help. Yeah, okay. So instead of judging, you see that they're appealing for help, but you may have to set a boundary. So, I mean, when Jesus said that, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, that was not a statement of judgment. Mm. Mm. He, he was receiving the results of their of their cruel and unloving actions, but he was not judging them for it. Okay. So, I mean, that's, that's an extreme case, but, and normally we don't find ourselves in those extreme cases in life, but we do find ourselves in situations we don't like and often we judge someone or something uh, in that situation and that's what this is saying if you had tolerance you would not be doing because you don't know the full uh, you don't know the full conditions of that situation with the people, with the actions there may be some other lesson that people are meant to get um, or you're meant to get. So you can't really, you, you can't judge because you don't know all the, all the facets of any situation. Mm. 
So to judge would be to be dishonest, it's saying. Okay. It would be not true, in other words. Okay. All right, then number four is gentleness. Harm is impossible for God's teachers. They can neither harm nor be harmed. Harm is the outcome of judgment. It is the dishonest act that follows a dishonest thought. It is a verdict of guilt upon a brother and therefore on oneself. It is the end of peace and the denial of learning. It demonstrates the absence of God's curriculum and its replacement by insanity. No teacher of God but must learn, and fairly early in his training, that harmfulness completely obliterates his function from his awareness. It will make him confused, fearful, angry, and suspicious. It will make the Holy Spirit's lessons impossible to learn. Nor can God's teacher be heard at all, except by those who realize that harm can actually achieve nothing. No gain can come of it. Therefore, God's teachers are wholly gentle. They need the strength of gentleness, for it is in this that they function, that the function of salvation becomes easy. To those who would do harm, it is impossible. To those to whom harm has no meaning, it is merely natural. What choice but this has meaning to the same? Who chooses hell when he perceives the way to heaven? And who would choose the weakness that must come from harm in place of the unfailing, all-encompassing, and limitless strength of gentleness? The might of God's teachers lies in their gentleness, for they have understood their evil thoughts came neither from God's Son nor his Creator. Thus did they join their thoughts with him, who is their source, and so their will, which always was his own, is free to be itself. Okay, so the, the main thing to get is gentleness is strength, I think. Well, and that, you know, I can be hurt by nothing but my thoughts, so we're always feeling we're hurt by something outside of us, some person or force or thing or situation. So there's that, there's our fear of being harmed, and then there's our action that may harm someone else. So, you know, the lesson, uh, there's no cruelty in me and none in God's. So it's a two-edged sword, you know, it's like you can't be perceiving yourself as hurt or harmed and you can't be judging which harms others mm-hmm. so in this space of non-judgment and in this space of feeling uh, safe nothing real can be threatened I can be hurt by nothing but my thoughts. Okay, so you're not hurting yourself with your thoughts and you see that you can't be harmed, nothing real can be threatened, then that's a state of gentleness. Mm. Okay. Should I do one more? One more, yeah, would be good. Uh, Five is joy. Okay. 
Joy is the inevitable result of gentleness. Gentleness means that fear is now impossible and what could come to interfere with joy. The open hands of gentleness are always filled. The gentle have no pain. They cannot suffer. Why would they not be joyous? They are sure they are beloved and must be safe. Joy goes with gentleness as surely as grief attends attack. God's teachers trust in him, and they are sure his teacher goes before them, making sure no harm can come to them. They hold his gifts and follow in his way, because God's voice directs them in all things. Joy is their song of thanks, and Christ looks down on them and thanks as well. His need of them is just as great as theirs of him. How joyous it is to share the purpose of salvation. So we have joy, we have gentleness leads to strength and joy. Yeah, I think this bit about following the Christ, you know, I will step back and let him lead the way. Mm-hmm. Um the Christ, where's the Christ going to lead you? Well, to more joy. Why would you want to follow the Christ if the Christ leads you to problems? Right. <laughs> you know, no, you don't. You you want some force, some uh, wisdom that's going to lead you out of problems. So the Christ leads you out of problems into a state of joy which has no problems. So, and then I thought it was interesting because it said uh, the Christ uh, needs you as much as you need him. So the Christ is, uh, his function is to share the the atonement the joy, the inner correction that leads to joy. His function is to share the miracles, all right? So, well, who is he going to share the miracles with? Well, the people that need the miracles. Mm. So, so you have a function when you're following Christ to share miracles with your brother. And you need your brother to do that. So Christ needs his brothers to do that. And you need the Christ because you've made mistakes that need to be corrected. And then in the correction of the mistakes, you know, we read earlier in the text that that's the function of the Holy Spirit is to bring your errors to truth or to bring, you know, your uh, yourself to the altar of truth. And then in that laying down of all of your misperceptions, you're, you stand corrected in your, in your holy self, in your holiness. And it said your holiness is already there. The, the atonement does not establish your holiness. God already created it. It's already there. But you haven't been seeing it. So you've made these errors that prevent you from seeing your own holiness. So the atonement is just bringing your errors to the truth and laying them down and then just leaving the mirror clean. Like you don't put anything on the altar. You don't put anything in the mirror. You let God reflect that back to you. 
And then that's the atonement, and that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. So that's the purpose of the Christ, and when the Christ is doing that, you end up with joy. Mm. Okay, so today we talked about tolerance and gentleness and joy. All right. We'll continue tomorrow. Okay, thank Thank you you so much.